I'm Tanil. And I'm Kelsey. And we're financial advisors from Allman Partners True Wealth, bringing you thought provoking conversations around you, your money, and your life on the Wealth Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us on another Wealth Experience Podcast today, t- entitled Why People Don't Seek Financial Advice But Should. Okay, let's get stuck into it. So really important conversations today as there are millions of people out there who are missing out on the benefit of having a trusted advisor. So we're here today to dispel those myths and make misconceptions around those barriers that people might actually be putting in front of themselves. So, Tanil. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great, great area, Kelsey, and it's one that we we talk about a fair bit. The reason being that there are so many Australians that are unadvised. The, the vast majority of Australians are unadvised. And probably the most common barrier, which can be fairly controversial, is actually the cost of, of seeking advice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and before, before anyone really jumps in and, and makes a decision about whether it does cost too much to to receive advice we try and get people to step back and understand what value they're actually a, a, a attaching to that um, that advice that they they're wanting to receive so if we think about it this way you know someone might find it valuable to go and spend a thousand dollars on a designer item that makes them feel good and look good and and they can attach their happiness to it and, and an outcome that that they want to achieve right um, and for the next person they might go well that's just that's far too much for me and it has more to do with the underlying value that you're deriving from something and, and the way that that's going to help you and make you feel as to whether whether you're, you're truly going to get value for money that's right yeah yeah. And sometimes it's also not really about that that upfront dollar, um, but what is the opportunity cost if I don't make a decision to receive advice? So um, if I had to pay a few thousand dollars to, to receive advice now, um, what what am I forgoing if I make a decision not to? So, oh, And what you want really to be able to understand is when you're having those initial conversations is, well, if I'm paying this fee now, this upfront fee to, to receive the advice, um, you want to understand at what point you are going to receive that back. And, you know, there's no harm in asking those questions around, you know, is there cost savings? What are the long-term expected returns? Um, but also ask those questions, like you're saying, around the other value that you do receive mm-hmm. in, in engaging a financial advisor. And some of that can be behaviour, right? That's Stopping right. people from making bad decisions. It's a lot of those intangibles as well, because you mentioned there some really great tangibles. You know, um, it, it's easy if I know that one plus one equals two, because I, I'm, I can make X returns and I can save X costs and therefore I can recuperate this in, in X amount of months. But it, it doesn't always give us the full picture that, um, again, if I, if I make a, a decision that um, was maybe not the most rational one and I didn't have all of the information available about the best alternative options for me, um, that could be wealth destroying at the same point in time. Yeah. Um, and that's really speaking to that opportunity cost of, of well, if I don't make that decision, um, what what would my other option be? Yeah, absolutely. And this is really interesting to me because it reminds me of um, a prospect that I seen a, a couple of months back. And one of the first questions off the bat was, how much does it cost to receive advice? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, and, and at that point, we haven't had any conversations around what is the value. They hadn't seen an advisor before. They didn't know what to expect. Um, but we hadn't had those value conversations. And I think 
all that happens in that space is you immediately put that barrier in front of you and you can get your answer to that question immediately. Mm. But are you going to be then focusing on the rest of the conversation around that value? Yeah. Or are you just going to be going, this is going to cost me money, this is going to cost me money? It's like shopping for a car, right? So mm. I, I walk in and I say, I, I don't want to spend more than $50,000 on a car. Um, and I've already, I've, I've shut down, I've put up some barriers, like you've already said, because I've shut down the ability for, and, and this person's a salesperson, so this is probably not the exact same <laughs> analogy, but um, but truly what they should be doing is finding out what are the needs that you need as a consumer. So yes. do you need a car that fits six people in it versus a car that fits two people in it? And, and do you, is quality more important to you um, than functionality and, and cap ratings and all of those bits and pieces? And yep. without that, you can't make a fully informed decision about whether $50,000 is good value for money or not. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and, and advisors pretty much should be doing the same thing, right? So there's mm -hmm. some values that an advisor brings to the table around the things that they they're doing so what are some of those things that, that you're you're bringing to the table to talk about that that advisors add value in those areas yeah and, and a large part of that as I said it is behavioral it's stopping you from making those wealth destroying decisions I, I had a client very recently that you know the, the conversations that we're having which was coming from more of a emotional psychological place for them just in those conversations and, and understanding where it's coming from and, and unpacking that for them and with them mm. um, actually stops you from making those decisions so I think that's absolutely a value add you've also got somebody that's looking in the details of you know not just your investments but you know how do you bring everything together Mm. and the goals and the long-term projections. Mm, yeah, because it can't always be big picture, right? So mm. a good financial advisor will get in and they're going to be speaking to some of those areas about things like your asset allocation and how do we optimise your cash cash position, your taxation planning, you know, giving you peace of mind and, and delegating out some of those responsibilities. Um, and each of those, you can attribute a, a certain level of um, of return to if you wanted if you wanted to say that or value to because even even optimizing cash that might intrinsically get you an additional one percent on the cash that you've that you've got there um, that you're not doing anything with but sometimes you don't bring that to the surface and go oh okay that was actually forming part of what it is that I'm paying for so um, we've got to start at that high level and, and understand where people want to go to um, but when it truly comes to that cost of advice that we're talking about here um, there's got to be some really in-depth discussions so having a good couple of meetings with a financial advisor is probably going to be very important um, because your costs will often be determined by the level of complexity that's, that's right. required in your situation. That's right and I think it's it's just allowing that process to unfold and, and ask the questions and really understand that value piece before you make a decision um, on cost. And there's some core data stats out there that say 90% um, of the people that have an advisor have said that the advisor is critical to their financial success and 93% of those people that were asked um, said that they would recommend an advisor to family, friends and colleagues. So it does seem like once you overcome that initial cost barrier, mm. um, you're really seeing and feeling and understanding that value piece. Um, and just remember as well, it is a professional service um, and, and that does come at a cost because you are receiving expert knowledge. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, I think that a key area is people understanding that um, financial advisors were uh, almost seen as a 
uh, an accessory, right? So an, an accountant or a tax agent or a solicitor, they're kind of a staple. You expect that at some point in time, you're going to need these expert services and they're the professionals in that area. But to date, financial advisors are seen as as an add-on, as something that, that people can choose to do, but don't have to. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's technically the case for all services now with the way that technology is, has moved towards. Um, but if you can start um, uh, understanding what role a financial advisor plays in pulling together all of these areas and making it about you, um, you start start thinking that actually maybe it's not an accessory. This is this is something that's really going to help me get to where I want to get to. Yeah, and I think that brings it to our next point, Anil, in that oftentimes people don't really understand what an advisor does. So mm. if you don't understand it, how can you attribute the value and the cost to it? And I think, you know, does that come from more of the old school understanding of where advisors really used to be and that was just in the investment space. Yeah, well, yeah. investing in Australia is very young. We don't have hundreds of years worth of data. We've got decades worth of data um, and therefore financial planning is a very young profession um, and one that's been through a heck of a lot of change, that's been through a lot of scrutiny um, and that does make it hard for people to kind of go, well, I'm not just going in, walking in the door because I want to buy some shares. Um, a financial advisor's role really is to put the client at the centre of the universe and where they're trying to get to, understand their goals, their their values, what's most important to them and then build a plan that brings in all aspects of finance and that can be in the areas of, of debt management and, and loans, that can be in the areas of cash flow management, superannuation, investments, insurances, estate planning, you know, entity structuring, um, all of those will have so many different strategies involved with them that the minute that you've you've made the step and, and sought that advice, you'll 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 see that further. Um, but if we can break down the barrier of what a, a financial advisor is in the first place, I think that can really help reframe um, what an advisor actually can do for you. Mm. I think when you think about it, like that, I was thinking as you were saying it, there is no other role or profession out there that covers as much scope around the web of someone's life that we do. Yeah, it's, it's a very unique area because it's not just money. And that's why these sessions, mm. a lot of the times that what we're talking about here, we're getting off of the topic of money very quickly yeah. because financial planning is such a unique area in that you do get this amazing look into the lives of the people that you're, you're helping um, and you're going on this this life journey with them. It just happens to have a basis that forms um, discussions around money because that's now an open, honest topic that's put on the table. Mm. Maybe it needs to be called something else, not financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> oh, stop. We'll have another Royal Commission and all of that and we'll want to change the terms again, Kels. <laughs> Very true. Um, which I think, you know, and a part of that misconception again when it's, it was made about money and investments was that having a financial advisor, you know, that, that's rich people's stuff. Mm. That's, that's not for me. I don't have enough. I can't possibly need a financial advisor. But the reality is financial advice is beneficial for absolutely everybody and just in different ways just depending on your circumstances and needs right that's right because we're not taught this stuff at school so there's always going to be value that you can take away from speaking to a financial advisor no matter where you are in your lifetime yeah and and advisors will also help you because we do understand that people are at different stages in their their wealth creation or their 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 journey right so um sometimes it's not about getting a fully fledged plan that gets you from a to b and all the goals along the way it Mm. might just be that right now i need some assistance with with getting my cash flow sorted my budgeting sorted and a, a good financial advisor should be able to draw out those experts that can help you um, in the pieces of the financial world that you're trying to to embed as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think 
another important question to ask as well. You know, if it's if it's rich people stuff. I mean, rich being rich and being wealthy yeah. are really two different things. Rich, yep, lots of money, um, but wealthy can mean that you're just living a life to the full in the best way possible, relevant to you. Absolutely, um, not in the grand scheme of how much money you've got. It's it comes down to your your happiness really and your contentment with what you're doing in life your purpose and your values and bringing all of that together Mm. um so yeah i think you know even if you've got poor cash flow as well i think another important point to remember is you might have poor cash flow and not feel very rich right now and that often happens when um you've got a family and you've got a mortgage and you're in that you know middle age kind of stage of life and you don't feel education and everything yeah yeah yeah. and you know it keeps on coming and you just you know feel rich um but there's still ways to feel wealthy and that you're building towards something remember even when you're going through that cycle you've got superannuation and that still needs to be working hard for you so when you do get to that other point in life you've created something that's going to work well for you in the best way possible to achieve all the other things that you're going to want to do in that at that stage and i think i think what i like about the term the difference in the terms between being rich and being wealthy kels is that um even if you even if you are even if you are wealthy you've got and maybe from a financial standpoint you you do have uh, your money situation sorted so you mm. go I'm, I'm fully confident that i can actually achieve my goals yeah. um a financial advisor is no less valuable at that point in time because some of the the conversations that we're having are about getting people to live in a wealthy way and and actually spend some of their capital and do the things that are important to them right yeah. isn't it amazing that you you can have people that have you know more than enough to to fund everything that they they want to do they just can't bring themselves to do it or don't really understand that they can afford mm. to do those things mm. because there's no um, kind of understanding. It's not been mapped out as to how to spend that money to make it work for you. Mm, exactly right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and often, you know, there's some of the other reasons that I think people don't jump in and, and get advice can be the idea around time. So time is this this interesting concept that we, we speak about a lot in different ways. Um Often people will say, well, um, I, I haven't been prompted, you know, I haven't had a prompt that I need to seek financial advice. So I don't have enough money in the bank. I'm not ready to invest yet because I, I don't have X dollars. Um, I but I haven't had a major life event. So a lot of times it may be a major life event. So I've had someone's past or I've gone through a divorce or I've gotten married and now I probably need to start thinking about these things uh, or I've got retirement coming up or a business sale. So th- there's these big, chunky life um, stages or, or events that happen and often that can be the prompter to going and receiving advice. Um, the downside of that point in time being the prompter though is that people don't have any lead up to get a plan for those events, right? That's right and I think well, retirement's probably the most common one that you yeah. see. You go, well, I'm thinking about retiring in one year, I better get some advice. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that no, because no. any time is the best time um, but you're right in saying that you haven't got that lead up planned. How are you going to be able to bridge any gaps? Mm. Um, because one year pre-retirement, for instance, just taking that as an example, is a, is a fairly short period of time. Um, whereas, you, you again, opportunity cost. Um, if right. you'd started maybe 10, 20 years earlier, the outcome at retirement might have looked a lot different. Absolutely. And we, we spoke on a previous podcasts about the how time helps us and that you will make more money 
the earlier you actually get in there and start saving and start investing and doing those things. So again, it's not saying, well, I need to wait until I get to X dollars in the bank account or I have X life event to, to seek advice, but rather just getting in and going, what could I be doing from day one? Mm. That's going to set me up in a, in a, a more meaningful financial way into the future. Yeah. And I think it also stops you from being reactive in those situations because everybody has big life events, you know, in one way or another, they come around. Mm. And if you can be in a situation where you've kind of got some form of plan, you kind of know how everything would would work out Mm. in those big life events, um, you're going to be proactive, not reactive. And I think that's the real benefit too of of doing things as early as possible. Exactly. But again, there's not a right time. (laughs) And people can be very great at, at self-managing, right? So um, I a, another common reason they might not seek advice just yet, you know, we've been through some of those those areas of about, you know, the financial advice being an accessory rather than a, a requirement. And, and this is not – there's nothing in financial advice that people can't do for themselves, to be clear. Um, everything that we do as financial advisors – um, anybody can 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 get out there and study and and um, find the right information and do this themselves. The struggles can be though that it's hugely time consuming. There's so much uh, noise that's there that it's hard to find what is the right information. Um, and so you know, thinking thinking that you can do the entire financial planning piece yourself may be unrealistic for the vast majority. Well, it's a little bit like saying I can watch a YouTube video and figure out how to do the wiring, the electrics in my house, um, and that might I work can. for a light switch. <laughs> <laughs> um, that might work for a light switch in your bedroom, but that's not going to work for your entire house when no, it needs I'm right. um, sorting out. So, if we're going to take an analogy, I think you know, yes, you can. Yeah. Um, there's lots of information nowadays, but bringing all of that together in a professional way and having some. Um, certainty I guess in the expertise of what's being done yeah um, because there's lots of pitfalls that's right you know. and the, and the, there's there's something inevitably that gives in that process so uh you know uh, f- fixing the toilet at home um I would outsource that I wouldn't you choose that <laughs> it's maybe not the best one fixing a door at home might be a bit more a bit more in my my ballpark but it, yes again I can go on YouTube that I could probably find out how I could do that I would then need to go and buy the tools to do it mm-hmm. um and I'd probably spend too much and get something that wasn't the right size because it's not my it's you won't not get my wholesale area. discounts I won't, tools get whole, I won't get wholesale discounts exactly right um and then it's probably going to take me four times as long at least to do the job that some someone else would do even if I was good at this um and I'd done it before it's it's still not going to be as efficient um or as cost effective um, or get me to the the yielded result in as positive a way, you know, that kind of golden triangle in in that way. Something's got to give there, right? That's right. Um, And the same is is true of advice. So if I'm not seeking a professional advisor to do this for me, I'll I'll still probably get to my goals, but they might look different. I might not have saved as much as I wanted to. I might not have got there as quickly as I could have. I might have paid more costs along the way, you know, all of those factors. And and now financial advisors have to be fully degree qualified. They've got to have a master's or or, um, a postgraduate degree qualification. To, so that you know that you're getting expert advice. They've, they've tried and tested um, these areas and they, they can bring expert information to the table. So, you know, why not seek an expert opinion yeah. would be the question there. That's right. Well, why, why do people do it themselves? Where does that come from? Because you don't see people going, well, 
I'm going to, you do see people submit their own tax returns, but that's a whole other conversation. Again, that's um, that technology coming into play though, isn't it? It's not, right. it's not the traditional sense where I'll go out there and I'll, I'll, I'll get the forms and I'll, I'll put, put together all my receipts and do it in paper-based. You know, technology means that the ATO is actually already collecting a lot of information. So it's mm-hmm. taking some of those, those cores away, but it's not, it's not the human in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And, you know, if you had to write up a legal document, you would absolutely go to your solicitor and you'd rely on that expertise. So I guess the question comes, I suppose it's a bit different in financial advice because we're still trying to, you know, be recognised more as a profession um, mm. and, and not sales and not just investments. And, you know, I think we're absolutely making good ground. But when people are going, nope, I'm going to do this my- myself, um, you know, does that come from potentially I've had previous successes? You know, people might have had uh, brought an investment property, for instance, mm. and, you know, if for whatever reason it's done really, really well and you've made a couple of hundred thousand dollars off it and it reaffirms that belief. Oh, well, I've been quite successful today. You know, mm. I, I can manage my finances myself. I'm doing pretty well. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're set up for all the trips and traps that yeah. can come up a, a, along the way. And um, there's definitely some behavioural bias in there as well, which we spoke a little bit about on, on another podcast. Um, but the biggest one, why people do it themselves... I've had a mate who's told me that this is what they're doing, you know, particularly in the space of self-managed super funds as mm. well, I think, and, and that whole um, do-it-yourself area. Share, share trading is mm. another another key one, yeah. 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 And it is a bit of, of that sort of, you know, dare I say, herd mentality um, where if it's if it's good for the majority, it's good for me. Um, but we, as we know, finance is so personalised and the way that people operate and their behaviours is so personalised that that just can't be can't be realistic for for the majority um in terms of optimizing your situation and getting the best out of what out of it for you that's right and i think you know when people are finding it hard to let go of that control too i think a point to remember is working with a financial planner doesn't mean that you completely let go of control of everything no, absolutely not. it's a relationship and you work together and you know nothing can really happen without you agreeing on it there has to be a whole process and you have to agree and understand and, and see the value before you make those decisions um so yeah it doesn't be stripped away from you and all of, all of mm. a sudden somebody else is making all of the financial decisions in your life no no and you can agree on what you can outsource so which which areas mm. of the of of your financial world um will you continue to manage in which areas will you outsource and but you're absolutely right that um financial planning is completely centered around around the individual and and what they um they want to get out of it and how they want to operate so um and i guess uh, uh, it can be very easy just to kind of do do nothing right um and and go that's too much to do i, I might be the ostrich and put my head in the sand mm. um, and, and th- that can definitely happen um, you know those avoiding behaviours uh, and you know taboo the taboo subject around around money is a core reason that's the case yeah yeah that's right and I think times are changing people are speaking a little bit more about money openly but um, it's definitely still taboo it's viewed as something that's quite private mm. um, and a lot of people just don't really want to address it but it definitely comes back to the avoidant behaviour of having your head in your sand is because it's easier. It's easier to not address what am I spending all my money on, you mm. know. And everyone's guilty of this in some way, shape or form because you go, well, everybody could be doing something better. You could be earning good money and spending more money but still reaching your goals. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But you put your head in the sand because you know, I don't want to address how much I'm spending on mm takeouts and all these sorts of things each that, year that can also be incredibly freeing though can't it because the, how many times have you had a conversation and 
and um, maybe they haven't wanted to talk to you about about certain areas because they maybe don't feel very comfortable with it or, or um, they've made some bad decisions previously and, and then all of a sudden um, once they are able to openly talk about this because they can't speak about it with others – it's like the weight's lifted off their chest, right? Absolutely. And, and, and now I can put that aside and go, it's okay. You know, it's okay if I haven't made some of the best decisions before, if I have made, or if I have made great decisions, but I haven't wanted to speak about them. Mm. Um, and now park that and go, right, what's going to be better, more beneficial for me into the future now? That's right. And an experienced advisor has really seen it all. Um, so, you know, you're certainly not going to be su- surprised if there's, you know, obscene spending in certain areas like you really have seen it all mm. and um there's a lot of complexities that everybody faces around manage their managing their money um and that's due to so many reasons but again i come back to a lot of that is about psychology and i was actually reading an article the other day um that talked about ted klontz i wasn't familiar with him uh, previously but he's a financial psychologist who coined the term money script and he says that we all inherit a money script. So I'm going to go through them just because I found this interesting, a little bit off topic. I haven't heard of this at all. I'm going to learn something here, Kels. Yep. So the first one is a money avoider. And what that means is you typically deem money as bad. Um, Rich people are greedy. and, And in turn, you have a belief that you don't deserve money. Okay. And that can outwardly express itself in many different ways. And if you don't deserve money, maybe you spend it heaps. Um, the other one is money worshippers, uh, people that are convinced that money will solve all of their problems, um, that they can never have enough as money provides power and happiness. I think there's a lot of people in, in that quadrant. Um, and the next one is status seekers. They feel that their self-worth is determined by what they have, which leads to pressure to make expensive purchases and keep up with the Joneses. Um, and, and the last one, money vigilance, which is your beliefs tend to focus on frugality, saving, being discreet about your income, um, being concerned about having enough money to cover your emergency costs. Um, While those that fall in this category aren't actually necessarily in poor financial health, um, they just tend to be overly wary and have a hard time enjoying the benefits like we were talking about previously um, because there's a sense of security that actually just having the money there provides to them. And I just thought, when I looked at this, I thought this is just so interesting because... Some of this is why people don't seek advice, which is the topic of the of the podcast today, but it gives you some really good reflection points about who am I of and, this? And you can and be... And you might be a, a, a couple of those, Yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that, except when you were going through it, I thought these, these are very interesting because you might see those behaviours, those that playing out at different points in time. Correct, And, yeah. and in different circumstances. And, and yeah. it's interesting to kind of, if you can label it and term it, um, it makes it a bit easier to to understand it, mm-hmm. um, which is where we start, right? Understanding yeah. values and behaviours around money to be able to make better financial decisions in yeah. the end. Yeah, and it's hard even – so being financial advisors, we'll look through this list and we're probably sitting here attributing some of our financial behaviours to, to some of those. Is it hard for us to recognise it as individuals and actually go – yes, actually, this this is me and this is my habits. And but this, you have this a, is still being your head in the sand, right? But but um, that this is why, you know, I have a financial advisor. It's not me. Correct. <laughs> because you need somebody to, to pull your head out of the sand and go, you know, you've got to wake up to your own behaviours too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just got to be able to recognise them and and, um, and and see them and you can't, you often can't 
can't do that. Whether they're positive, whether they're negative, you know, yeah. that, that's exactly right. It's a blind spot because, we, again, the taboo, we don't talk about these things. Mm. Mm. Exactly. Not over a dinner anyway or socials. <laughs> exactly right. Um, and then once you've actually made a decision that you, you're going to seek financial advice, uh the next thing that you need to do is actually pick an advisor that's right for you, right? Because um, as you know, there's there's a lot of different criteria that you might want to bring to the forefront when you're when you're making a decision. Well, this is, might be the, one of the reasons why people don't seek advice, right? Because yeah. you look out there in the world and how do I make a decision of which advisor I see? And I've seen so many terrible cases too, you know? This, one of the really hard things can be, um, I I previously sought advice or received received some tidbits of advice that didn't work out well for me and I, I was burned through that process and it, and it wasn't fun for me. Um, but it's kind of like uh, if, I, if I had a friend previously and it didn't turn out so well, am I never going to have a friend again? Um, because that's that's the, the the analogy in that in mm. that space you know just yes there can be situations where it hasn't yielded the best result but the best that you can do is understand the criteria on which you're going to make a decision about who's going to be a best fit to help you in this really important area yeah so it is important you don't neglect it if you're looking for an advisor don't neglect looking into who's going to be the best as overwhelming as that is yeah um, because it's a lifetime relationship and it's going to be built on trust yeah. um, so it's definitely important to look into those that's those areas that's right and there's you know those criteria can be things like um, what sort of education does this person have? What are their credentials? How, what experience did they have previously? Um, who are they licensed through? Because all financial advisors are licensed through a licensee group, uh, which gives them the the ability to, to, to be out there providing advice, right? So are they self-licensed or are they uh, do they have a licensee that's um, tied to any, any sort of uh, product provider? Um, what's the personality fit? If Do I actually like this person? If I walk into the room and, and do they make me feel comfortable? Do I feel supported? Will I be able to have open and honest conversations? Am I the kind of person that I need someone who's going to challenge me when I am making decisions because I, I, I need someone that actually goes, hey, maybe that's not the best thing for you and I will challenge you on it because I know there's a better option. You know, I think this is probably one of, aside from capability of, yeah. of the advisor, I think this is one of the most important aspects of finding the right person for you. Absolutely. Having right. that match. Yeah, it's it's a, like you say it's a lifelong relationship really. If you've got a an advisor that's going to work with you on all of your life goals, why would you not have the expectation that in 30 years time you're still going to be meeting with the with the same person or the same group? Um, you know, it may not be the exact same person, um, but at least with a, a group that shares a similar set of values um, in in their firm and with with the number of advisors that they might have in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it's okay to to ask those questions, to to to, to shop around, yeah. to speak with multiple advisors, and then make a decision uh, about what's going to be right for you. Anyway, thanks for uh, joining us today, everybody. And we really love to um, build our following more and interview more great people. And how do we do that? Well, that's that's by you guys. So the more people that subscribe, like, and follow our content, the greater reach that, reach that we have and the more people um, that we can get on our potty creating really good content for you all. So um, we hope you join us again and thanks for listening. The opinions of the presenters are objectively ascertainable and are not intended to be financial product or personal advice. 